Back in the former Soviet Union, there was this cat named Pavlov, and he conditioned his dogs. They would give him, you know, they'd salivate and he'd give them a treat. So came up with these things called Pavlov's dogs. Dan's like, okay, what are you doing? The the reason I mention it, because I hear this music now and I like salivate, like that little guitar riff gets me going. It is 1 p.m. Eastern time on the East Coast. It's Wednesday, the 11th of January. Uh, Guy Adami here. That's Dan Nathan, of course. In a minute or so, Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting will be joining us today. We're sponsored by FactSet, Dan, financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. And, of course, they're our data provider as well. I like saying the word data. Great win, gritty win last night by the New York Rangers at home against the Wild of Minnesota. Went down two zip early. Although I thought the Rangers were outplaying Minnesota, I felt good. One of the most dangerous leads in hockey is, in fact, the 2 nothing lead. They came back and won it in overtime, as you know. I know you were excited. How are you? I'm doing well, guy. And I think you did that because somebody in our comments said, keep leaving the comments, people, because someone got you all tuned up yesterday because they did not care to hear about yeah, your I know. Well, the listen. New York Giants. And that's just the way Guy Adami operates. Guy, are you wearing a roll. ring? Wait, are you wearing a ring? Yeah, wear a ring every day. Oh, oh, I thought it was something else. I'm sorry. You wear your wedding. I do not wear my wedding ring. I've been married for in March. It's going to be 23 years. You know, how I tough. You remember? You know how I remember that because I was married in the year 2000. So it's really easy. I mean, I can't screw that math, up, right? Um, yeah. All right, let's talk about it because you know, guy, I feel like this is maybe something more for you and and our friend Tim Seymour from the CNBC's Fast Money oh. because I wanted to be like the final countdown. You know, like this is what we got right in front of the CPI tomorrow morning, eight thirty. Such a horrible. I mean, it's yeah, an yeah. awful song. But you are correct, Dan, in your yeah. assessment. It's yeah. the final countdown, and we're going to talk about it with Dubs. But you, I think people are sort of gaming out their anticipatory belief that uh, what's going to be the CPI number. I think a lot of people said, you know what? There was this run-up last time. Let's let's game it out. Let's get yeah. involved now. And we can always pull a ripcord ahead of time. And I really think that's what we're seeing here over the last couple of days. Yeah, you know, and this is one of the reasons why we spend a lot of time on Market Call with the charts, and, and we are um, blessed with Carter's presence a couple times a week here because, you know, th- there's a lot of charts that are starting to look a lot more constructive, and we're going to hit some of those, and you can see why when some people, you know, you feel like we've been talking about this now, it feels like for weeks and weeks that a lot of the um, thought processes come along to our thinking, all right, or where we think markets should be, what they should be valued at, given the rate environment, given what we think are the headwinds to growth and all that sort of stuff. But it seems like consensus now, right? And so we're looking, we're here, what, uh, six trading days, seven trading days into the new year here. We have an S&P that's up nearly 3%. We have a NASDAQ that's up nearly 4%. It feels like people want to be bullish, to your point. And if we got a soft reading right on the on the consumer price index tomorrow i mean we know what happened when we got those november data we had that Mm -hmm. big rip but we did reverse i want to kind of hit one major u.s equity index when i say major it's majorly quoted but i think at its all-time highs okay this is a russell 2000 so this is small cap stocks okay remember the market cap of the russell 2000 was equal to that of apple when it was like nearly a two and a half trillion or something like that but what's really interesting about this russell chart and we mentioned this back in october it never made a new real low. I mean, it kind of had a match low from the summer guy. It's got the same downtrend that's been in place, right, over the last year. But this thing topped out well before the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 did. Um, and it's above for the first time in a, in a little bit here. It's 200-day moving average. Um, so what is small caps in this relative outperformance off of those lows last year? 
this year. What is that saying to you? Is it saying anything to you? Maybe is they underperformed in 2021 and they topped out, right? Um, does that mean anything to you? You know, I could take this one of two ways. This to me is one way to look at it. It's the market somehow believes that the economy is going to turn small caps being the most economically sensitive names. They're trying to get ahead of something. I can't for the life of me believe that it's that. The flip side might be the fact that so many of the small caps don't have that international exposure that seemingly created some of the headwinds for some of the bigger, bigger multinationals. That might be what's going on. Uh, so I really can't have the answer. I'll say this, though. The environment that I think we're in and going to re- remain in uh, does not lend itself to be bullish the IWM or small cap stocks here, in my opinion. Yeah. So I look at this chart just to sort of go round turn here. And you've seen a trade through the 200-day a couple times. But each time it gets to this downtrend line, it's failed. And I think that's what we're going to see again. Now, Carter might have a different view here. Maybe those little double bottoms are more powerful than this downtrend line, but that's how I interpret it here, Dan. Yeah, and if you want to look at it on a five-year basis, I mean, when you know, at its lows last year, it was down about thirty-three percent. I think, you know, the S and P at its lows was down about twenty-eight percent. We know the pandemic lows in the S and P were about thirty-five percent. I think it was kind of similar here. And you know, again, I mean, you you see this thing; it, it was banging around the bottom, put in a little bit of a double bottom here, got above its two hundred day. Um, and you know, here it is picking up its head again. It did do that a couple months ago, but, um, you know, this, I just, we haven't talked about the rest in a while. We haven't talked about small caps. I think the dollar coming in, I think that international exposure, all the things that you just mentioned, I think are really important and they should be earlier cycle too. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why we want to keep an eye. Maybe on there, we'll but- talk to EY from so, cause she's sort of the small cap queen if memory serves. Yeah. So guy in, in the tease on the tweet, it, it, I said, there's hope for you yet. Russell, you know, RTY. Oh, I see what you did there. You know what, By you the know way, what, it's you, funny you, you mentioned. That? You know what that's from? No, it's probably like some Beastie Boys song. No. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned Russell, and I'm yeah. completely off the rails here, because prior to us coming on, somehow we got into a Ginger Marianne conversation. Yes, and, you know, I actually said I was sort of a Mrs. Hal person, but you mentioned Russell, and, of course, everybody on this feed knows that Russell Johnson uh, played the professor. He also, by the way, was a fighter pilot in World War II. A lot of people oh, don't wow. know that. Quickly, Dan, Robert Byers, pull this tweet up. He says, apologies for being tardy. I would <laughs> submit and I would retort, I don't feel tardy. And I know there are about nine people out there that know what that is. That's, of course, a line from a Van Halen song. Back to you, Dan Nathan. Yeah, real quickly, let's pull up the Matrix of Compassion. I love that. That, that handle is pretty good. He says, Dan... You've often played QQQs in the trading market. Um, are you playing them currently? I am not. I was actually, I had a short position on last week. I got stopped out. I took it off. I'm really sitting on my hands here waiting a little bit. I did do that FXI trade that I detailed on Market Call, and I'm going to um, detail a trade that I did this morning in the GLD um, also. Um, but we'll talk about that. I, I actually feel like, listen, you know, if yields are coming in, I know that's what Carter's view is. I think that some of these kind of higher valuation names that have gotten cream last year, you're seeing some massive outperformance early this year that probably continues to go until we see either a hot CPI report tomorrow, right, which would basically indicate the Fed is going to stay hawkish for longer. And then also we're going to get into earnings. I think they're going to be dreadful for most of those companies. So um, let's just look at the S&P real quickly here, Guy, because this is one we've talked about the relative outperformance, the rotation into um, a lot of names that are not as heavily weighted as they are in the NASDAQ. We see how much um, further that is above 
its October lows versus the NASDAQ. We don't have that up here. Um, but again, I think the last time we saw this index test that downtrend line and get above its 200-day was on that November CPI reading. If we do have a number guy that comes in below expectations, okay, softer, um, are we likely to see a breakout above that downtrend, in your opinion, and will it be sustainable? So I think consensus, and you probably have it at your fingertips, is like 6.3 or something like that. What is, I mean, is that... Hold on, let me pull it up. I think that's what we're looking at. As you look, I'll talk. But to your point, you know, if we let's just let's pretend that it is five is the survey, um, and the prior reading in November was seven point one. So seven one six five now. All right. So I would say anything six three or lower. I think the market takes off in a meaningful way, and we probably take a look again at that breakout and then subsequently failed breakout we saw a month or so ago. Uh, North of six five, I don't. Meaningfully north of six five, six seven, six eight. I think we're down 125 handles in the S and P. So, problem is, of course, it's hard to game that out. I think you have to have a view going in. Here's my view. I think it's going to be hotter than people expect. I think for a lot of people, it seems to be a foregone conclusion that it continues to ratchet down in a meaningful way, which I agree with. But how meaningful it's going to be that the the, um, the tell tomorrow, and it's going to yeah. be obviously lower than seven one. But I don't think it's going to come in south to 6.5. And if I'm wrong, we're here tomorrow at 1 o'clock and you guys can eviscerate me. But that's my thought going in, which would lend me to which lead me to believe you sort of fade this rally we're seeing uh, today and and maybe later this afternoon is if it accelerates. Yeah. The, the only one thing I'll just say is, like, and again, you know, back to um, that prior question on the QQQ, I don't have any index um, in the S&P positions on right now. And I'll tell you why. I, I do think we could have an up or down 2% gap in either direction. And mm-hmm. it feels like a bit of a coin flip. And so I'd rather play around the edges and some of the other things that I'm doing here. Um, you know, one of them is this, and, and, and we're going to bring Carter in in one minute, but I just want to kind of detail this trade that I put on this morning. You know, guy, you and the Gold. You've made a very cogent case. Me and the gold. I like that. Long of the gold. Danny Moses, our co-host on On the Tape podcast, is also bullish of gold. And Carter, uh, I think it was on Monday, laid out the charts on gold and why he really likes uh, the potential for a breakout. If he, I think he was looking at it on a 20-year basis. Listen, I want to go the other way here. It just Whoa. seems like – I know. And, and again, I want to kind of define my risk. I'm being a little bit cute here. This is my chart. This is the GLD. Um, Carter may take some issue with it. Um, maybe I'm that resistance is Maybe it's not real resistance. Maybe it is. I don't know. But you look at that steep uptrend. I just think that – there's a good chance that no matter what happens tomorrow, you see gold break that uptrend, okay, to the downside. And then I'd be looking for a move back towards that 200-day moving average. Maybe that's 165, 166. So here is my trade in the GLD options today. When GLD was trading about 174.30, I bought this February 174, 164 put spread. I paid about $2.50 for that. I bought to open one of the Feb 174 puts for about $3. I sold one of the way downside 164 puts at about 50 cents. My premium outlay was $2.50. That is my max risk. I have profits of up to 750 between 171 and a half and 164 with a max profit of 
seven and a half below 164. Losses of up to two and a half between 171 and a half and 174 with a max loss um, above 174 of two and a half. Here's the deal. I am risking about one and a half percent of the GLD. I have about five weeks for this to play out. My break even is down a little less than 2% with a max gain of about four and a half percent of the ETF if the ETF is down 6%. So I really like the risk reward here. I'm not risking a whole heck of a lot. Options premiums are really reasonable, especially relative to a lot of other things that I think could move in and around this. And again, as always, I'm going to use a 50% mental stop here. So if this starts going against me, I'm going to cut my loss of about a dollar in 25 here. I do not like to see long premium directional trades go to zero and when they start working against you um and time is elapsing here um they will go to zero very quickly so that's my trade guy it's not like an in your face it's not an in danny's face or carter's i like the risk reward here what do you think in the face that's eddie murphy of course coming to america great scene at madison square garden st john's was playing a home game here's what i think for you to be correct or let's just put it this way This position suggests that there's a chance, again, my opinion, that CPI comes in hotter than 6.5, hotter than 6.5 keeps the Fed in play. Keeping the Fed in play has been bearish for gold. So it's almost as if this is sort of a synthetic put position in the S&P with probably a little more leverage. So I like what you're doing here because I just said three minutes ago that I thought it would come in hotter than expected. And if it is hotter than expected, I think this will fall into place for you nicely. Hopefully that was cogent. I tried to make it as it was possible. You thank it, you. All right, let's bring him in, Carter. Brown. There he he's is. Where is he? Charting of worth charting here, Carter. He just threw that tie on. That tie is just thrown on. You know, I can tell because his top button's not buttoned. There's no dimple, which is typically the case with CBW. Also, by the way, the slicked hair is just banging today. Banging. I just thought I was running a little late today, and. Uh, it's all, it's all good. Yeah, Dan's yeah, drinking yeah, water. Yeah. Carter, two things before we get to my GLD trade idea here. Um, you are not one of the sorts of guys who takes off your tie. Like you you leave it knotted and you hang it up. Guy, that's probably more you in a way. You know what I mean? But Carter, you take them off. You kind of probably have them pressed before you put them back on. As, as a like yeah. Ties can get in pretty bad shape, as, as we all know. They also seem to catch the spills. Yes. Uh, and I had a, my one of my first bosses, he it was he goes up, another man down. And he would just he never bothered to send in the drag theater. But once a tie is stained, it's 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 it's, it's gone. So, all right, Carter, you did a nice job laying out your kind of long-term take on, on, on gold. We were looking, I think, at the um at the uh commodity. Um now we're looking at the GLD, the ETF here. My quick technical take, any thoughts there if they could throw that chart back up? And again, I'm looking for a move back to that two. 100 day maybe 165 this is not like a like a pound the table sort of thing i just like the risk reward here thoughts on that yeah i mean actually i had a long conversation with a client today whose uh biggest positions are gold mining stocks and the whole conversation was about selling calls now mm-hmm. uh, more uh, plain vanilla strategy than what you're discussing but it's someone whose view is long term and very bullish And yet, we all can recognize it's come a long way. So tactically versus structurally, and I think that's what you're trying to do, right? It's a big move. Also, there's this. There are a lot of um, vacationers and day trippers. All of a sudden, you know, you can say people that don't like gold, hated gold. Now they love it. It's making the news. And so usually when you see that, it's right to kind of take the road less traveled. Guy, what do you think of that? Road less traveled. I mean, that seems well, literary, I mean, he's like just, a literary he's just, reference. He's dropping a literary reference. He's also yeah. dropped a Beatles reference with the day tripper, by the way. 
Uh, I do think there are, listen, we do call them tourists for a long time. Biotech attracted a lot of the tourists, people that didn't know a lot about the space, but were involved because the momentum was behind it. By the way, which is fine. There are participants in the market like everybody else. And I think Carter's right. The fact that everybody is seemingly talking about it lends one to believe maybe we'll exhaust ourselves here and selling upside calls makes sense. I can't speak to the premium that you're getting paid, but I totally get it. I think fundamentally something has changed over the last year in terms of gold. And I think that I think the trajectory is going to be lower left, upper right, with maybe some speed bumps along the way. All right. So, um, okay. And, and, and my trade is, how about this? It's just a back and fill, guys. I can the, be right. It's all you guys be right. How's that's that? what makes, what do I say yeah, all the time? It's all about your yep. time frames, right? And you're trying to yep. capture uh, some money, make some money yep. out of something that's probably going to back and fill for a bit. All right, Carter, you heard us talking a little bit about what like some of the knee jerks might be to a CPI that comes in lighter than expected. We know that last month, again, we saw yields come in really hard. We saw stocks bounce, but then we saw that reverse. So you did some very nice work on your worthcharting.com. Nothing slick, just charts. Um, mm. And we just wanted to take the screenshots of those from, I think this uh, email went out either, I think yesterday afternoon to subscribers here. Talk to us a little bit. You, you had the shy, which I didn't even know this ETF existed by the way guy did you know this uh s-h-y it's a one to three year treasury bond etf um and he's i'm basically- just holding on for a second if you think about the name it stands to reason that you didn't know it existed Okay, Mike. Um, you know what I mean? Shy and not that. out there. Like, yeah, we have that. Right. And so, so Carter, talk to us a little bit how you're thinking about the shorter dated treasuries versus the longer dated here. Because again, you know what the Fed does and say with Fed funds, you're going to have this shy more closely related to that, right? Mm-hmm. And then as it relates to the kind of uh, longer dated, right? So you're we're going to use the TLT, which is the 20 year, but we're looking at the 10 year um, yield. And that's going to be maybe more reflective to growth. Which one at this point are you kind of a little bit more geeked up about where you think there's um, a little more oomph in it if you do get that turn in yield? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, just to start the conversation, if we have the TLT here, let's look at that and let's go back and forth, right? Let's do some toggling. Now, one could say, if you didn't know what it was, let's do it quickly, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We can just toggle. You'd say, those are the same damn thing. And guess what? They are the same thing. And so, yet they aren't because 10-year money is a lot different. The Fed has no control over the longer dated uh, part of the curve, and they have all the control over the front. And so, one would say, why would you make the bet that two-year yields are going lower? Because this is price, right? So, mm-hmm. price why would you make the case that shy and TLT are going up, which is you're making the case that yields are going lower. And while that might make sense, indeed, if we're getting layoffs and economic uh, softness, that they're going to keep tightening and therefore two-year yields shouldn't move, which is to say if two yields don't move and 10 years do uh, continue lower, then the 210 spread starts getting from negative 60, 70, where we are not maybe negative 100. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think both the short end and the long end of the curve are headed lower. And I'm basing that on one thing. Those patterns are identical. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, Dan, because I agree. And I understand what he's saying. I'm still one of these people that believe twos, tens can invert to the tune of 1%. And, you know, it could happen around three and a half, four and a half type of thing. But you know, maybe it's different. Maybe it's three and a quarter, four and a quarter. But I'll say this, you know, if that inversion gets back down below 50 basis points, you can also start people hearing people talking about how 
you know, that headwind is now sort of abated a bit for equities and maybe you're getting the, the green light. So so a lot to unravel here. I'll say this, because if you look at that TLT chart and for you bingo players, you really scored on the toggle and the back and forth. <laughs> I've thought for a while TLT is going to go higher. Higher TLT means lower yields. And there have been a couple of hiccups over the last few weeks, but this chart suggests the next leg is, in fact, higher, meaning yields go lower, Dan. All right. So, Guy, question for you, okay, because you've had some really great yield calls. And I mean that sincerely, you know, from the lows a year and a half ago. Um, I think you were calling for 2%. We got there. Then you made a 3% call. This is on the 10-year. Um, and then we've basically been on the same side of this thing on the way down here. But you've been also kind of steadfast about what you think the 210 spread's going to be. At some point, will you kind of disconnect from your call on that in spread? inversion and just focus on the broad yeah. basically what might be the top in yield for this cycle and then keep reloading as they kind of have fits and starts one step forward two steps back because one of the things as your friend and as your co-host and as your kind of guy that we do cnbc together with sure I want you to be as right as you can be and not get stuck on a technicality in the yeah. 210 no, fair fair all fair? good points and i'm trying Carter says it all the time. We all have biases. We all have our dogma. I totally get it. I fight against it as as hard as I can, but we fall into the trap. Maybe I'm just so hell-bent on believing, almost by definition, we have to get there, based on two factors. The fact that the economy is slowing, which should push 10-year yields lower, but inflation is still a problem, which should mean that two-year yields stay sticky, if not go higher. So that's where my head is at. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm going to be right, but that's sort of my thesis behind all this, Dan. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's look at some sectors in the market. We definitely want to look at some individual names here, Carter. Also, um, I just want to, you know, you, you do a lot of great work, um, relative performance by different sectors, different major indices. I just wanted to get, get your thoughts if you're taking a look at what's going on in the XLV of late. That is the healthcare select spider. Um, some of the big cap pharma names in there. I just put a little bit of overhead resistance. You see the double, as Guy likes to call it here. You see that 200-day um, a bit lower. Um, you know, again, it looks like a big old consolidation, but some of the big names in the space that had broken out to new 52-week highs, and some of them were guys' final calls for months on CNBC's Fast Money, they've come back pretty hard here. And I'm, I'm wondering, mm -hmm. is this a reflection of investors kind of peeling out of some of the, the defensives? And then we have a five-year chart, too, which really shows a pretty wide consolidation over the last, call it, year and a half or so. Just thoughts on the XLV here. Well, the, the obviously it, it's it's heavily weighted towards big names. Of course, the two biggest are Johnson Johnson, United Healthcare, and then you've got Pfizer, Lilly, Merck, and so forth. The real weakness in the sector has been managed care, right? Uh, you've got uh, drops in Humana and Cigna and, and United Health that are, are substantial, 10, 12 percent. It remains my favorite single theme in the market by virtue of its defensive and offensive characteristics. And I like it especially as a pair, and we looked at this together as a group, right? It's relative to XLP, to the big staples, Procter, Colgate, Coke. Yeah, look, I mean, Carter's spot on here. The chart, the, it, you play the game again. If you didn't know what this was, what would you say? You'd say, look, we have stalled here, and we're probably going to do a back and fill, which is exactly what's happening. In terms of big cap pharma, Dan, real quick, I'll say, a lot of these stocks, for example, Merck went from $63, I think, in the fall, 
traded all the way to 115. I mean, that's a very significant move in a very large company in a short period of time. Eli Lilly's been a monster. Even Bristol Myers has shown some relative strength as well. Throw Amgen in there. There's a lot to like in Big Cap Pharma. Gilead, which we probably don't talk about enough, has had a huge breakout to the upside for the first time in many years. So I happen still to think the space is in play. I think Carter would agree, but these things are trading vehicles as well, and there's definitely a bit of rotation. I just have to have one of the comments come on. Somebody said against. Is that a New York word? So here's here's the thing. How do you pronounce? And I want you all to play the game at home. How do you pronounce the word word G A I N? Of course, the answer to that is gain. So it stands to reason that you put an A in front of it and an ST at the end of it, it would be against. And Matrix of Compassion, throw this one up. What this is this is so good. One of the joys of watching Fast Money is to watch the innocent flirting between Michelle and Guy. Guy, how yeah, long have you two worked together? You have a good honor. If you had said it to her, she would that icy glare would have gone your way, of course, which would be Melissa. I've known her probably close to 18 years. And yes, we do have a lot of fun. Back to you, Dan. That's really funny, though, Guy, because we were on a couple weeks ago and we were all remote and she had a guest on that was named Michelle. And do you remember I texted you and her and I said, Mel, you should call her Melissa because she was (laughs) Michelle. We have so many guests who come on and she'll ask him a question and they refer to her as Michelle. That's the joke there. Um, All right, Carter, you just mentioned consumer staples, the XLP. Let's throw this up here because, you know, this is a sector that is deemed defensive, right? Because of the dividends and the nature of their products and and, and the like here. Um, But these names that make up Procter, Coke, you know, Pepsi, you guys know the name there they're like trading 25 times earnings you know like mid single digits the you know, earnings and sales growth there thoughts here because you know it, it feels like these have stalled out a little bit you see just i drew one line there you know they topped out uh, made new all-time highs at the height of fear in the yeah, early mm-hmm. last year right during the the invasion of ukraine and stuff just so you, you you'd much rather be long xlv and short this as a pair anything any thoughts on an outright basis though all right, basically, it's just exactly what a pair of twos is. Meaning, yeah. if you are, if you have a, if you have a big moment, you bet big, uh, right? Uh, if you have uh, have a big hand to bet big with, but three of a kind, flash, full house. What do you do with a pair of twos? You basically are good technique is you lose your ante. You don't put bad good money after bad. You get away from it. There is no trade here. That's what a pair of twos is. Guy, do you have a trade? You have, you have a trade? You love it. Do you have a trade? I, no, I think, listen, I think he happens to be, exa- I, I'm not parroting him, but I think he's right. You're sort of in no man's land here. I think the way to trade this is you get a break below the 200-day moving average. Maybe you'll start to accelerate to the downside and take advantage of that. Or you buy it on a breakout through that horizontal line that you drew, which has been resistance for quite some time. Otherwise, you're looking at a pair of twos. Now, if you're the big blind, you play the hand unless somebody – Basically, um, you know, raises on the on the before the flop is the way I would play yeah. it. But nobody's going to do that because people are sheep. I would be one of these people, though, that would probably push some few chips in just to sort of test the waters. But that's just me. Back to you. All right, we have three minutes left, and I have two Uh-oh. topics oh, I want to hear really sorry. quickly. And this is just kind of out of nowhere here because it kind of struck me as, as interesting that Starbucks today is kind of picking its head up. It's making a new mm-hmm. – 52-week high here. Carter, I'd love to get your technical take on this one. Um, again, I, I I hate doing this to you when I do my charts because they're just not 
the way you would do them, but I'm using it as a context to kind of oh, talk about it. And then love to get, I'd love to get your, your fundamental take guy here because this one's kind of surprising. You know, one of the things that I don't know if we, we don't have a longer term chart, but this stock was making new all time highs in like mid 2021. Okay. And we were still in a, a rip roaring bull market and it topped out there. I mean, it like literally topped out. It really underperformed many names in consumer discretionary for the balance of 2021. And then it was making new lows before a lot of its peers also. And here we are now, we're seeing some pretty dramatic outperformance. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay, sorry, I thought I'm up. Yes, uh, look, I, there are two circumstances in conflict here, and I think uh, everyone knows what they are. This is impressive, right? This is a stock that bottoms in the spring, never gets back to new lows in October, whereas most stocks did. This is a stock who's not only month over month relative strength is good, so is its day-to-day -day relative strength. All of that notwithstanding, it's also back to a difficult level. Mm -hmm. right? You can see the overhead supply that looms um, back from exactly a year ago. And so this is where, in principle, I would be reducing, or and this is the beauty of options, sometimes you can have your cake and eat it too. You sell calls and stay long. Summer of 21, I think it was July of 21. If you put that chart, if you toggle back for the rest of you bingo players, um, <laughs> that was the all-time high in the stock. I mean, it's been quite some time. Yes, we've had a meaningful bounce, but you know, if you sort of look at this, we're probably talking-ish eyeballing it, a little bit north of a 50% retracement off that all-time high in recent lows. So it stands to reason and throw valuation in there. Starbucks is not cheap, uh, and it's not cheap in this environment specifically. I think you're looking to take profits here, Dan. All right, last one here, Carter, because we're not going to get you tomorrow. But but Friday morning we have you know massive bank earnings, JP Bank America, Wells Fargo, I think City also, and I just want to pull the BKX up here. Um, you know when you look at that uh, that ETF or that index, the KBW Bank Index here. I mean, you know it's it's kind of like you know banging up against a, a level here. And I just before you hit that. I just want to like the Citigroup. I, I rarely say this that the chart actually looks like it's trying to bottom here a little bit. You know, uh, it's touching its 200-day moving average for the first time in in a year. Um, you know, and again, Citigroup is one of those names where expectations are not what they are. JP, if we we fast forward here a little bit to the JP Morgan chart, you know, we saw that that performance off the October lows was double that of the S and P 500. Now it's breaking out a little bit. Thoughts on BKX or the banks in general, and if any of those that you'd lean towards one way or the other right so the bks chart itself is we're getting into the pair of twos category as well one thing that is important if you were to uh, juxtapose the bkx which of course is dominated by city and wells and bank america and jp and so forth um big u.s banks are lagging european banks and, and it's in principle are much worse as operating businesses deutsche bank credit Suisse, paribas sockgen and so forth and so there was something we put out in the beginning of the week as a pairs trade, and there's an ETF for each, the KBWB for this, and it would make the case, and it is, did make the case to be long that relative to the stock's 600 euro bank index, and there's an ETF for that. Um, in and of itself, you know, I think you, you're likely to see this if one could know the future. The numbers, the results, whatever are good, they pop and they all fade. And they don't really do big gains, or if they're bad, yeah, you just go straight down. I, I just don't think it's a great moment for getting long. And frankly, we're getting short. Yeah, it's sort of a no trade, uh, the BKX itself. What's amazing, Dan, is even when Carter's not on Fast Money, in, invariably his name comes up and we talk about how he's 
basically on the Parthenon. And, you know, we always, people sort of love that. And I, I love what I get in return from that. But he is, he's a freaking Mount Rushmore, man. Maybe by himself, Dan. I don't know your thoughts on that. Well, that would just be a mountain with just with, oh, with, yeah. the, with the picture of his face. Then, no, we do, we oh. do, we do quote him often, and we also quote him often on Market Call when he is not joining us. So, Carter Braxton, we're thank you I so much. You know, I'll just say this about the bank trades. I, I like the way he's thinking about it. I mean, I, I often like to get in front of events, and again, I know that can be a kind of risky proposition. I know for whatever reason don't see the risk reward um, in tomorrow's in front of CPI, and then also banks. In some ways, I'd love for the banks to rally a bit more on mediocre sort of results. And then if our economic outlook kind of plays out, Guy, over the next, let's call it three to six months, those banks will be coming back because they will be feeling um, a little bit of those headwinds. And just some of the housing data and some of the stuff that we're hearing, we talked about what Wells Fargo's retrenching, um, a, retrenching a little bit from, from the uh, mortgage market. I just feel like the U.S. consumer really hasn't taken the sort of hit you might expect as far as the hangover from all of what we saw over the last two and a half years, and I think that's coming to theater near you. I don't think it's going to be a wipeout, but I think the banks should probably start to reflect that, especially these large U.S. money centers. I think wipeout was a song by the Vapors, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. but nobody nobody cares. As, as I mentioned, great win, but a lot of questions coming at me. People get mad at me because I, the, the, the thing scrolls too fast. Like, I'm not that bright. I, I got to do a slow scroll in order to read all the questions. But that's it for today. I want to thank Carter Braxtonworth, the slicked, uh, I would say sloppily tie adorned CBW, but it doesn't matter. Just nothing slick, just charts. No emojis with hearts, just charts. It ain't Renee Descartes, bitch. It's just charts. Of course, Dan, Dan Nathan, I want to thank our sponsor, FactSet, our data provider, FactSet. Now, listen, we're back tomorrow, and this, this thing could get off the rails tomorrow. EY from SoFi joining us as we've been sitting here. The market's accelerating to the upside, which me is not a great setup into tomorrow, but that's what uh, markets do, Dan. We'll talk tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern time. All right. Thanks, Carter. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.